0: Section thirty nine of the United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World Story, Volume Thirteen, The United States, edited by Eva March Tappan. Section thirty nine. HOW PERRY Saved THE NORTHWEST 1813 by Charles Morris In 1813 Oliver Hazard Perry, a young naval officer who had never seen an engagement was sent to Lake Erie to build a fleet from trees then standing in the forest and to conquer the British vessels on the lake. THE EDITOR in a moment everybody was astir the boatswain's whistles called the men to the capstans and at the command of up anchor the vessels were soon free to move but the wind was unfavourable for leaving the harbour and the crews had to resort to oars in aid of their sails the instructions to the commanding officers chiefly consisted in the brief but famous one of nelson if you lay your enemy close alongside you cannot be out of place on reaching the open waters the enemy was sighted five or six miles away and the ships were headed towards him though the light and uncertain wind interfered much with progress perry for some time sought to gain the windward position but at length gave up the effort and decided to square away under the lee of the islands replying to the sailing-master's remonstrance that this would bring him to leeward of the enemy i don't care to windward or to leeward they shall fight to-day but again the wind shifted this time a favorable change to the south and the americans now having the weather-gage were put before it and ran down with free sheets upon the enemy the ships were formed in line of battle on the plan decided upon and all hands ordered to clear them for action in the midst of this a roll of bunting was brought up from below and handed to perry on unfolding it there were seen in great white letters upon a blue field Lawrence's dying words don't give up the ship my brave lads said perry to his men this flag bears the last words of captain florence shall i hoist it i ay, Sir, came in a hearty response, and up to the main truck sped the significant flag. It was now about ten o'clock. The wind continued light, and a broad space still divided the two fleets to hearten the men for the work before them. Captain Perry now ordered food and the usual allowance of grog to be served. The mess kits were then cleared away, and needful precautions for the coming fight taken such as drenching the decks with water to render harmless any loose powder that might be scattered and sprinkling a layer of sand so as to give the men a good footing even if the decks were wet with blood Barclay, meanwhile had hove to his ships and was awaiting the americans the vessels drawn up in close array in a line square across the wind the little chippewa and the big detroit at the head against these perry advanced in the lawrence his flagship the little ariel and scorpion leading the way with these he headed for the detroit leaving the remainder of his fleet to come up as rapidly as possible and to deal with the other british craft all being thus disposed the squadron moved slowly onward before the light and baffling wind perry pacing his deck impatiently stopping at intervals for a word to the gun crews all of whom he found eagerly preparing for the fray at one gun were men from the constitution the most of them stripped to the waist and with handkerchiefs tied round their heads to keep their hair out of their eyes i need not say anything to you he remarked you know how to beat those fellows at another gun stood some of his old gunboat men ah here are the newport boys he said cheerily they will do their duty i warrant the cheers he got in response showed well the spirit of the men the vessels of the squadron rather drifted than sailed towards the enemy and as noon approached the nearest vessels were still a mile apart while the rear of the american fleet lay far behind far separated as the flagships now were almost beyond the range of the best guns of that day the impatience of the british gunners had grown beyond restraint and a gun roared from the detroit its ball plunging into the water before reaching its goal in a minute or two more a second ball with better aim came crashing through the bulwarks of the lawrence the battle was on through all this frightful turmoil perry stood on his quarter-deck cheering on his men his little brother beside him with no evidence of fear on his face as they stood two musket balls passed through the boy's hat then a splinter was driven through his clothing finally he was knocked headlong across the deck and perry's face paled at the sight but it proved to be only a flying hammock that had struck him and in a minute he was on his feet again all the officers in my division are cut down said lieutenant yarnall his face covered with blood from a splinter that had been driven through his nose can i have others others were given him and he went forward again in a short time he was back with a similar request i have no more officers to give you said perry you must make out by yourself he did make out aiming and firing the guns with his own hands a duty which perry himself was later forced to perform like paul jones of old he kept at this until he had not enough men on the quarter-deck to aim and fire the one gun left in service going to the hatchway he asked for a man from the surgeon one was sent and two others in succession but still perry was obliged to repeat the demand there is not another man left to go said the surgeon then are there none of the wounded who can pull on a rope at this appeal three men crawled up the hatchway ladder to help with the gun tackles these with aid from the purser and chaplain rolled the gun out while perry aimed and fired it this was the last gun fired from the lawrence the next broadside from the enemy left not a single gun that could be worked the vessel itself was a wreck her bowsprit and masts had been in great part shot away while her hull was riddled only fourteen men remained unhurt in her crew of more than a Twenty had been killed but the american flag and the blue banner with its motto don't give up the ship floated still and perry remained inspired by its spirit for two hours he had kept up a fight seemingly hopeless from the start and he was still far from the thought of surrender during these two fateful hours the niagara had kept out of the battle but now with a fresher breeze in her sails she was coming briskly up headed for the right of the british line her route would take her a quarter of a mile or more from the lawrence the sight of this unharmed vessel aroused a new hope in the mind of the gallant commander on her deck he might be able to retrieve the fortunes of the day action quickly followed thought throwing off the blue jacket he had so far worn he put on his uniform coat and ordered a boat with four men to be lowered on the side of the lawrence out of the fiery storm his boy brother sprang into the boat with the men he said to his faithful lieutenant i leave that lawrence in your charge with discretionary power you may hold out or surrender as your judgment and the circumstances shall dictate then taking his pennant and the broad banner with the lawrence motto which had been hauled down and given him he climbed down into the boat and ordered his men to pull away for the niagara as soon as the boat was seen from the british fleet and the purpose of the american commander guessed every gun that could be brought to bear was turned upon it The water all around being churned by round-shot grape canister and musket balls through this torrent of shot perry stood erect in the stern of his boat intent on inspiring his men with courage the flag and pennant draped round his shoulders as they neared their goal a round-shot plunged through the side of the boat perry took off his coat and plugged the hole with it and thus the side of the niagara was reached the crisis of the battle was now reached, stepping on the deck of this fresh ship amid the loud cheers of the crew, Perry saw at a glance that a splendid opportunity to turn defeat into victory was in his hands. How goes the day? asked Elliot. Distance had prevented his seeing for himself. Bad enough replied Perry. Why are the gunboats so far astern? I'll bring them up, do so, Springing into the boat that had brought Perry up, Elliot rowed away as he did so perry's pennant and the blue flag of the lawrence were hauled aloft bringing ringing cheers from every american ship except the lawrence herself on which arnold not having a gun that could be fired hauled down his flag to prevent the useless butchery of his crew on all other vessels hope had replaced doubt and dismay putting up his helm perry drove his new flagship square for the british squadron which was now so bunched that in a few minutes he was in its midst firing from one battery into the chippewa and lady prevost from the other into the detroit hunter and queen charlotte the effect of the close fire on them was disastrous already severely injured by the guns of the lawrence this hot fire from a fresh ship was annihilating the detroit and the queen charlotte tried to swing around and meet him but fouled each other while perry ranging ahead rounded to and raked them both the other american vessels were joining in as they came within range and barclay stood aghast at the slaughter and destruction hurled on his hitherto seemingly victorious ships the crew of the lady prevost fled from the deck leaving their commander lieutenant buchan alone on the quarter-deck with bleeding limbs and staring eyes the tempest of shot and the torrent of destruction were more than even british feller could stand and eight minutes after perry's signal dash into their line a man came to the rail of the british flagship, waving a white handkerchief tied to a boarding-pike it was the signal of surrender perry was victor in one of the greatest battles of the war two of the british vessels sought to escape the chippewa and the little belt but they were pursued by the scorpion and the trip and brought in as captives captain Champlain on the scorpion as he had fired the first now firing the last gun in the fight in honor of the good ship in which his great struggle had been made captain perry accepted the surrender of the british officers on the deck of the lawrence amid the frightful scene of ruin and carnage which it presented but the british had left as frightful scenes on their own decks for the niagara had amply avenged her consort in the destruction wrought this narrative might be prolonged much farther but we must close it with the famous dispatch to general harrison in which perry announced his victory we have met the enemy and they are ours two ships two brigs one schooner and one sloop The news of the victory spread with great rapidity through the nation and was everywhere received with enthusiastic rejoicing for it was felt that it had definitely turned back the tide of british success in that quarter and saved the settlers of the northwest from the terrible visitation of the indian allies of the british harrison aided by Perry, followed it up with an invasion of canada found proctor and his army in retreat and completely defeated them at the battle of the thames tecumseh the Indian leader being killed, the Northwest was saved. End of section thirty nine. This recording is in the public domain.